our campuses to the first week of our brand new series called Road Trip. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us? Man, we're excited. You know, we just thought this would be an appropriate title. We are coming out of a very intense time, uh, not only as a nation, but the world uh, out of COVID. So many people have not traveled, and this summer marks kind of a new beginning in a sense. I recently flew out of town somewhere. The airports are crowded. The roads are crowded again. And it's interesting. You begin to think about road trip. Matter of fact, uh, I had a conversation with somebody recently. They said, Pastor, my wife and I were talking about where we were going to go this summer. Everybody say road trip. Now, when you go on a road trip, there's some unique things that happen. Matter of fact, when you go on a road trip, there are some unique things that you bring with you. There are some places that you stop. As a matter of fact, as a family, when you go, uh, you need the grace of God when you go on a road trip. It's interesting, this summer, so many people are setting out. And I want to just say to all of our campuses, uh, if you are going to be out for several weeks on the weekend, uh, please, please, please tune in. Uh, we have thousands and thousands of people that watch every week on Church Online. And uh, so you can stay with us in the series. Of course, if you're around our, one of our physical locations. By the way, we have people in the summertime that visit friends, whether in Baton Rouge or in New Orleans, the North Shore, Mississippi Gulf Coast. Man, feel free to drop in by one of those campuses as well. So I'm going to be talking over the next four weeks about what does it mean to be on a road trip. And it's a series about how families, quote, get together. But not just how families get along, but how people get along. Matter of fact, relationships are one of the things that God's given us as a gift that bring us the greatest amount of pleasure, but also the greatest amount of pain. In other words, we have got to learn how to do relationships God's way. And when you're on a road trip, all kind of things come out. All the good, all the bad, all the in-between. I mean, a lot comes out this summer. We're going to be talking about relationships, how to understand personalities. You know that God has created you and I in his image, likeness, and dominion, and yet we all have different personalities. One of the challenges in relationships is when we try to watch this, when we try to relate to people in the way in which God's designed us. We don't understand that we operate differently. We have different interests, different gifts. And so we're going to be talking, we're going to have a lot of fun next week. We're going to be talking about how God created us with different personalities. We're also talking about conflict. I'm going to talk to you about what the Bible talks about conflict. Conflict in and of itself is not bad. It's conflict that's not resolved is bad. We're going to be talking about relationship communication. 
It's interesting. Communication is such a critical thing. I had a conversation with a couple recently, actually, over the last six months. I said, Pastor, we never would have thought that we would have ended up in the place that we are. In other words, we don't even realize where we are in our relationship. We just know we're not connecting. Question, are you lost in your relationship? Are you on the same wavelength? Are you communicating? Are you not resolving conflict? Are you judging a spouse based upon what they aren't because of what you quote are? Now, I want to qualify for all of our singles. We're not going to be talking for four weeks just about marriage relationships. We're going to be talking about marriage relationship, but we're going to be talking about how to also just get along with people. Also, employers, employees, friendships, relating to children, Matter of fact, we're talking about the principles of relationship. I had somebody say one time, and I heard somebody say, you cannot watch this. You cannot go along in life unless you can get along with other people. As a matter of fact, you can show me somebody that's super gifted, super talented, but they can't get along with people. In other words, they don't know how to, quote, get along. And I'll show you somebody that's really really not enjoying the fullness of life. Now, I do want to say this. Uh, I, I will be on a trip uh, this summer as well. And uh, matter of fact, my family, we've always done, quote, road trips, usually a week, uh, sometimes a little bit more than that. And I got to just say this. Whenever I go on a road trip, whenever my family and I, now my kids are older. I've got three that are older uh, in their 20s now, but I still have an 11-year-old daughter. And I got to tell you, when you go on a road trip with, with, with uh, Steve, Pastor Steve, whatever you want to call me, uh, you will understand what I am and who I am, but you'll also understand who I'm not. As a matter of fact, my kids would say to me, they'd say, Dad, listen, uh, <clears throat> where are we going? And I'd say, let me give you exactly where we're going. We're going to go to this place, and then we're going to stop at this place, and then we're going to go to that place. How many of y'all are getting a little bit anxious going? Anybody? And now and tell my kids, okay, here's the deal. We're going to go to Destin. Go to the bathroom right now. We're not stopping until we get to Mobile, all right? You get to about Mississippi Gulf Coast. Dad, dad, uh, dad, what, son? Dad, dad uh, I got to go to the bathroom. Grab a bottle. I told you we're not stopping until Mobile. In other words, when you go on a road trip with somebody, you find out how they're designed, you find out what they like, what they don't like. You find out what they're like when they're under pressure. I'm very goal-oriented. I have to watch that. My wife is very spontaneous. I mean, she just, she enjoys the moment. I enjoy the goal. Matter of fact, I'll never forget one time we were in actually Spanish Fort. We were on the way to uh, we were right outside of Mobile on the way to Destin. And, and, you know, it was the first time it really dawned on me that I really need to be prayed up before I go with my family through a drive through Can I have a witness from God? No, I really didn't. They were small. I thought to myself, it was like, Dan, I went this. And Dan, I went this. And, and let me just say this. You can't, listen to me. In order to go to heaven, you have to believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. In order to go to heaven, I think you possibly also have to get your order right on the first time. Don't change it. You cannot change it. Dad, wait, I want that. Wait, time out. Excuse me. Wait, excuse me, ma'am. Wait, you want what? Dad, 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 dad. Finally, so you know what I started doing? My wife said it was controlling. I would make my kids at five, six, seven, and eight write down their order. You don't change it. Everybody say, we're all different. 
Everybody say road trip. When you go on a road trip, you find out who people are. You find out what they are. Now, I want to just say this. We're going to talk a little bit today about conflict and relationships. There's a misnomer out there that suggests that conflict is all bad. Let me say this. Conflict in relationship is not bad. Matter of fact, without healthy doses of conflict, you can't grow in relationship. Conflict is not bad. It's conflict without resolution that's bad. So in other words, you have conflict. If, if there's no conflict, I had somebody tell me one time, we've never had conflict in our marriage. And I said, well, if you've never had conflict, somebody's hiding. Because you have two distinct personalities and God created you that way. And marriage is, 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 is a giving and it's a taking. The problem is, is that we don't resolve conflict. Bitterness begins to set in. We're going to talk about that today. And when we don't understand how our spouse or our friend or our coworker is designed. I want to talk specifically about the marriage relationship. I want to go back to that just for a moment. And in this series, we're going to be talking about all different dynamics of relationship. But let me visit the spouse just for a moment, that relationship. One of the things that creates conflict is we don't understand how our spouse is different from us. They were created by God with different gifts, different aptitudes. Again, I, I am very goal-oriented. And one of the things I've had to learn in my marriage relationship is, as my wife has said, Steve, you've got to learn how to embrace the moment. I'm not quite sure what that means, but I think she said I'm doing a little bit better. For example, we go to a restaurant. Let me give you a thing. I love Mexican food. Anybody love Mexican food? She likes salads. I'm like, what's the point? We can, we're not rabbits. But anyway, so we'll go to a restaurant. You know, it's like, okay, it, this is how I am. I'm goal-oriented. And by the way, this is not necessarily a male thing or a female because we all have different personalities. I am goal-oriented. That's how I'm designed by God. We'll go to a restaurant. One of the things I've had to learn in my, my relationship with Jennifer, we go to a restaurant, I would say, all right, honey, I want the waiter or the waitress, whatever you call them, service attendant, I don't care. I want the person that's taking the order to show up real fast. And when they come, I remember this, we were married just the first couple, three, four, five years, and, and the, the, the waiter, waitress, whatever, would come up, and I'd be like, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you the whole order right now. Here's the drinks. Here's the appetizers. Here's this. I'm going to give the whole thing. And I remember my wife telling me, I was going, Steve, 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 time out. Wait, Steve, time out. We're not out in a rush. We're dining. We're dining. No, we're ordering. What would you like off the menu? That person's walking over here right now. Why is that important? I had to understand how God designed me. I'm goal-oriented. But guess what? Unless I want to live by myself forever, I've got to understand that not everybody is designed like me. Can I have a big amen? That was a good place. Okay, yeah, amen. Everybody say conflict. Say resolution. Maybe today your concept of relationships has been challenging, disappointing. You've not understood that. Matter of fact, those of you that are married, maybe you've not understood where you are in your relationship. I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you today. And again, I'm going to be talking about relationships the next month. But I want to challenge you, number one, to realize, are you lost? Are you enjoying the fruit of relationship the way that you know that you should be? If not, I want to challenge you. Consider getting out of the driver's seat. 
What I mean by that is consider allowing God into that area. You know what's amazing? We'll allow God into our soul to make sure that we have an eternal relationship with God. We don't go to that bad place and we spend eternity in heaven with God. But you know what happens when it comes to our marriage relationship and parenting? Oh man, it's really hard to do it God's way. In other words, we want Jesus to save us, but we don't want him to really mess with anything else. I want to challenge you. Would you consider asking everybody, all of our campuses, those that are joining us online, would you consider, would you consider getting out of the driver's seat and letting God drive the car of your relationships just the next month through this teaching so that you can begin to understand maybe, just maybe, you're not allowing God to help you in this critical area. Now, I want to jump into conflict for a moment. Conflict is very painful. I've been on both ends of conflict where I've created it and where I've also been a participant in resolving it. An unresolved conflict is very painful in the soul, isn't it? You can feel that on the inside. It's like, oh gosh, man, I gotta resolve this. Particularly with my spouse, with Jennifer, it's like, man, I just, I don't, I don't, it's like, I got to resolve this. You can feel it in your stomach. And, and the problem is, is that we often don't understand the causes of conflict. Key causes of conflict and disharmony in a marriage relationship. A lot of people get divorced. You know what happens? If you don't resolve conflict, here's what happens. You have conflict without resolution. Don't, don't miss this. You have conflict without resolution, conflict without resolution, conflict without resolution. Bitterness sets in, and the next thing you know, you move to an indifferent stage. Do you know when you step into indifference, when you just don't care, you're right at the end? See, my goal for you as your pastor and the teacher here over the next month is to help us recognize where is conflict coming from, why is conflict happening, and how do we, in God's way, because he's driving this ship, are y'all with me? How do we resolve it biblically? How do we deal with it God's way? It's one of the things in my life that I've had to learn. One of the things that I've had to learn is I've walked with God for a long time. <laughs> that, that, that conflict comes but I gotta resolve it. The problem is, is that we don't understand another C word. Not conflict, but confluence. I'll never forget one time I was up in Mississippi and uh, I had some friends, I, I, you know, I make it very obvious. I like hunting, I like fishing. These are some of the hobbies that I do. I like playing golf, I like hunting, I like fishing. I'm, I'm active, I like getting out there. And I never forget, I talked to this person one time and I, we were up in South Mississippi and I was like, man, what river is that? So it's the Pearl River. I said, I said, you know what, let me ask you a question. Where did the Pearl River start? And they said, it actually started in Pearl, Mississippi. I thought, that was deep. Uh, Pearl River, Pearl. But, and and it's, what's interesting is we were real close to that. And I kind of went up to where it actually started. You know what's amazing? If you ever have an opportunity to go do that, there's actually a number of smaller creeks and things coming in. And where they come in actually at the base of the Pearl or at the start of the Pearl River, there's, there's almost some turbulence and it's almost a little bit of rapids. And so they're all coming, watch this, they're all coming together and then they all kind of merge together and it creates the Pearl River. In other words, it, there's, they, they begin to hit some conflict and some turbulence, but then they move into confluence. You know what I believe the goal is for us and our relationship with God, as it's worked out in our relationships with others, that we can move from conflict to confluence. 
that we can begin to understand the people that we work with. We begin to understand our spouse. By the way, we can begin to understand our children. We can understand those of you that have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, the people that you work along with. Again, what is the goal? The goal is that we're not living in this forever, but we understand how to move into confluence. But we can do it God's way. Oh, I know what a lot of people think, well, you know what, I'll just figure it out on my own. And yeah, that's why you are where you are. I need God's help. Really, the way that God designed us in relationship is that when we come together, that's where the sweet bliss comes from. It doesn't mean we don't ever have challenges, but there is a place. There is a place in your relationships where you can operate from God's perspective, God's wisdom, where you can operate in confluence, where you're moving together. There's a fluidity. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18, Pastor, where's the challenge? Let me talk about this, the, relation, the marriage relationship for a moment. I want to highlight a word here because I think there's a key word that we need to point out here. Colossians chapter 3, verse 18 and 19. Listen to what Paul writes to the church. Here's what he says. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be, what's that next word? Come on, can y'all say it at the count of three? One, two, three, say it. Bitter. Toward them. Bitter. Paul says, husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. I thought about that for a moment. Do not be bitter towards them. It's an interesting, when you think of the word bitter, the word bitter in the Greek language is the word pikros. And it's an interesting word. It actually means to be sharp, to be harsh, to be irritable and exacerbated. In other words, there's a, there, it means to be pungent. There's a, there's a, there, there, there is a piercing nature to that word. In other words, Paul says it this way. Husbands, love your wives. Watch this. Don't be harsh. Don't be pointed with them where your words hurt them. You will create something in them. I began to think about my relationship with Jennifer. We never thought of it this before. We think of the word bitterness as simply attached to unforgiveness. Bitterness is much greater than unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is an aspect of bitterness. I'm going to say that again. Unforgiveness is an aspect of bitterness. Bitterness is, there's a, there's a bigger picture that's happening here. And, and Paul said this. He says, don't watch this. Don't pierce your spouse with your words. i never forget one time I was in a tough season with Jennifer and um, we had a good conversation with someone. And I kept going back to, I thought, but, and I would like, but this is what I'm saying. But this is what I'm saying. I don't know what the problem is. This is what I'm saying. And when I realized it had nothing to do with what I'm saying, and it had everything to do with how I was saying it. See, the fact is that I understand that about myself. I, 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 you have to understand how you're designed. I'm a type A personality, I'm a driver, I'm fired up, I'm passionate, I wake up like this, I go to sleep like this, but I realize if I wanna have intimacy in relationships, it's not what I say, but it's often when I say it, but it's always how I say it. You know you can say something, but then you can really say something, you know what I mean? Paul says don't be bitter, don't pick cross, don't stab that person with your words. Now why is that? Oh, it creates an injury in their soul. How many times in relationship, even in church, 
You have somebody in charge, they're walking with God, they're functioning, they're in a small group, they're flowing, and something happened. If you can go back and do kind of a spiritual autopsy of where a shipwreck took place, somebody had a conflict with them, some word was said, it wasn't dealt with, there was no healing there, and they began to walk away. Why? Because there was pain in their soul. So this is not like a tangential issue. Are y'all with me? This is core to us walking in health. Our souls have to be healthy. Paul says, husbands, do not be bitter towards them. It's not what we say, it's how we say it. It's not what we say, it's often when we say it. Hebrews chapter 12, very powerful scripture, building upon this theme. Here's what the writer says. Hebrews chapter 12, he says, pursue peace. Everyone say peace. You gotta pursue it. It doesn't just happen. Pursue peace with all people and holiness with which no one will see the Lord. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God, lest anyone, any one of you have a root of bitterness springing up, causing trouble, and by this many are defiled. A root of bitterness. Pastor, what does a root of bitterness have to do with relational disharmony? Pastor, what does root of bitterness have to do with relational breakdown? And I want to suggest to you today, everything. Like everything, because we get disappointments. And when we don't deal with disappointments in relationships and we allow bitterness to get in, it comes out in our words and our attitudes and, and it comes out in our indifference. If you move into an indifferent stage, you're done. The fact that you're still feeling is actually a sign that you're still in it. Oh yeah, bitterness. What is bitterness? It's exhibiting intense animosity, bitter enemies, harshly, reproachful, marked by cynicism, rancor, intensely unpleasant, especially in coldness or rawness. And the writer of Hebrews says that when that begins to set in our hearts, it affects, it defiles many. Many a times I've said to the Lord, I said, Lord, I, I, I don't, Lord, any bitterness in me, I don't want it to affect my spouse. I don't want it to affect my kids. I don't want it to affect, I don't want it to affect people around me. It defiles. Now here's the challenge. The challenge is that we are masters of dealing with fruit, but we have challenges dealing with roots. Everybody say fruit. Everybody say roots. The root is the root of bitterness. The fruit is all these behavioral manifestations. You got to understand the root here. Anybody experiencing relational breakdown and they just can't figure it out. And they keep dealing with fruit. They keep massaging fruit. They keep addressing fruit, but they're not willing to deal with root. And the root is a deep level of bitterness. Matter of fact, my mom, some of you guys have heard the funny stories about my mom. My mom, great woman, prayed for me, but she was a worker. And she's just, her mom was Cajun, died when she was young. And she was just always, excuse me, my grandmother's mom died when she was young. My mom's mom uh, was a Cajun woman, a hard worker. Always, and, and she put, matter of fact, I, as a kid, I mean, just, I've always had response. I've always had jobs. I always had to get a job. On the weekend, we'd, we'd wake her, she'd wake us up early in the morning and we'd have chores all day long. And that's why I would try to stay, stay his way as, I, as much as I could. But anyway, so, you know, of course, if you're getting up and go hunting and fishing as a kid or go do something fun, you just jump out of bed. But if you got to do chores, how many of you know you just mysteriously contract a m m pneumonia at 3 o'clock in the morning? 
Oh, I can't get out of bed. Well, my mom would just come in there. So what would my mom do? This is in the 70s. And so she'd pour water on you. She'd hit pans. She'd do anything. So finally you get up. And one of the things I always had to do, my brother and I, we'd have weed gardens. We'd have to do. And so how many of y'all remember cocoa grass? Anybody remember cocoa grass? Y'all don't, y'all don't remember that? Okay, good. Y'all are really educated. And so, so there, this, she would call, I don't know what it would be called. I don't know exactly what it is, but she would call it that. And so I would go out there and I, I developed a system where I would just pull the tops off, pull the tops, pull the tops, pull the tops off. The problem is if you just pull the tops off next weekend, guess what? It's right back again. I never forget what she told me. She goes, Steve. And so she got out there about, we went, we went about a couple weeks through this. I never forget this. I was probably 11 or 12 years old. She got out there. She, she, she pulled the thing and there was actually this particular grass. I don't know what you call it technically, but on the bottom of it was a bulb. Do y'all remember those? The deal was I was pulling the fruit, but I was never getting to the root. How many times in our relationships are we pulling and addressing, everybody look right here, the fruit, but we're not dealing with the root. The root of relational breakdown is bitterness. That's the root. It's not the fruit, it's the root. Let me give you guys three fruits of the root. Are y'all ready? Three fruits of the root of bitterness. James chapter 3, verse 10 and 11. I want everybody to hear me. Every one of our campuses, this is so important. You don't have to endure marriage. You actually can enjoy it. But it's going to take some work and willingness. I've been married 26 years. And it's work and willingness to deal with, watch this, the root. The root. All right, watch this. God has a design and a plan for us to enjoy relationships. Again, this series, I'm gonna be dealing with all different types, but I'm talking about the marriage relationship specifically in this context. James chapter three, verse 10 to 14. Here's what the scripture says. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus... No spring yields both salt water and fresh. You see where this is going? Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This passage identifies three weeds of bitterness in our relationship. Number one, the first one, Rejection and envy. Rejection and envy. The first weed is what I call envy, and it often works hand in hand with rejection. I'll explain. The very root of envy, the top root of that is rejection. You get around somebody, they're doing better than you, your spouse is doing better than you, you have competition in your marriage, they're doing better in their job, they're doing better in your mind parenting, they're winning more. You compare yourself with another marriage. You compare yourself with somebody else. You start having thoughts, what's wrong with me? You start feeling inferior. You start, watch this, you start feeling rejection. You start desiring, I wish I had what they had. But then you get mad because you're not what they are. And you get into this cycle of rejection. You feel bad. Envy, I wish I had, but I don't. Therefore, I feel worse about myself. And you start comparing. 
You start comparing yourself with your spouse. You compare your weaknesses with their strengths. You start comparing your spouse. You can start comparing your marriage with somebody else. I never forget when a friend of mine, he says, Pastor, I, actually, I wasn't as passionate. He goes, Steve, I don't go to movies with my wife. I said, why is that? I said, I'm tired of being compared. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I'm just, every time I go to a movie, I, she, in the middle of the movie, she'll look at me and she goes, why aren't you like him? And he goes, I, he goes finally, I said, honey, are you kidding me? This is a movie. No, it's not. I bet she's like that in person. I'm like, the guy is a wreck. I know his personal. No, that's not true. Look, at he's nice to her. I wish you're nice to me. And the point is, is that we always compare. Can I tell you the, the taproot of that? It's rejection. I don't feel bad. Envy. I wish I had, but I don't. Wow. How many times in your life have you looked at somebody else? You looked at another couple. You don't know what's. Listen to me. I want everybody to hear me. You don't really know what's happening behind their door. You don't know. Now, I hope it's good, but trust me, they have challenges. They have challenges with a child. They have challenges in their marriage. Everybody's dealing with something. And those that are not are lying. Or they're not alive. They're in heaven in the presence of Jesus. That was funny. I don't care if you laughed or not. That was really funny. Everybody say rejection and envy. Let me give you another one. Self-seeking and strife. Look at James chapter three. I'm just going down this. Watch this, verse by verse. James chapter three, verse 14. I'm talking about fruit attached to roots. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, you know what happens when bitterness is a root? There's a root of bitterness in your heart. It comes out in selfishness. It comes out in strife. I wrote this down. Strife and selfishness are another weed of bitterness. You know what happens in a relationship when you have a bitter heart and it's not dealt with? Selfishness and strife takes over. It just totally takes over your relationships. While rejection says, you're not, listen, rejection says, you've got to meet my needs because I feel hollow on the inside. Strife says, I have a right. Rejection is all about how bad I feel. Watch this. You got it. Don't miss this. Selfishness is all about what's mine. You show me somebody that's got a bitter root and I'll show you somebody that's always drawing lines and bound. Listen, boundaries, human boundaries in a relationship are healthy. Demanding of rights consistently, there's something off kilter. Did you see the difference? Let, let me say that again. We all need to have human boundaries in relationship. Nothing wrong with that. That's biblical. That's appropriate. You can talk to counselors about healthy boundaries. But when somebody's always talking about rights, here's what I found out about marriage. Marriage is not 50-50. We're not playing hokey pokey. Here's hokey pokey, right? You put your right foot in. You take your right foot out. You put your right foot in and you shake it off. Are y'all with me? You show me a good marriage, it's not hokey pokey. I don't know if there's other implications to that statement, but I'm telling you. In other words, it's not, and here's what we do in relationships, and this with what bitterness does. Bitterness is all about rights. What's mine? Here it is. You guys ready? Here it is. You just go so far. Here's what I found out about marriage. A healthy marriage is when you totally give yourself to the, your spouse, and they to, it's 100%. Everybody say 100%? 100%. I know it's tough for some people, particularly if they've gone through a marriage and they're, and they're on their second or third, and they feel like they've been broken. Here's what my point is. Please get healed so we can do it the right way. Please get healed so we can do it the right way. When I see competition in a marriage, it's always 
because of selfishness. I'm so grateful for Jennifer. I gotta tell you guys, and I'm gonna share some stuff during, our, during this, this uh, series, but one of the things that's important to me when I preach a message, for example, whenever I preach a message, there are certain people that it's important that I get affirmation from in a message. One of the, the, the first person that, my, that, that I'm really looking to, and I, it took me about 10 years. About 10 years into preaching, I realized my wife's affirmation for my message is really important to me. I am so grateful to God that she has always championed it. Now, I know at times when I hit singles, I know when it's a double, and I know when God hits it out the park. I also know when it's a bunt and I barely get on base. Are y'all with me? <laughs> it's like, it was good. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I thank God what she, she has never saw herself as a competitor with me. She saw somebody to partner with me. And, and what happens with bitterness is, oh man, I'm going to tell you something. It gets you to hold back where you don't fully give of yourself and champion your spouse. We're talking about roots of bitterness and fruits. Let me give you the last fruit, lust and possessiveness. James chapter four, verse one and two. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and do not have. The third fruit of bitterness is lust and possessiveness. I've seen this in families. I've seen it in relation. By the way, lust is not just sexual. It includes sexual stuff. Absolutely. But it's beyond that. Lust never satisfies. Lust lies to you. Lust is trying to get legitimate needs met illegitimately. Lust is a lie. Here's what lust says. If you have that, then you'll be happy. If you have more of that, if you have him, if you have her, if you can just get that. See, lust has its focus on the temporal to meet only what the eternal can meet on the inside. Lust says, I need more. Lust says, I wish I had. Lust is always dissatisfied. I'll never forget one day when I talked to a wise mentor in the Lord, right when I was getting married, he said, Steve, the day your marriage goes to another level is the day you wake up and you don't feel the same feelings of love that you once felt before, but you make a choice to love her. Lust always makes the choice for self. It never makes the choice to serve. Yeah. The root of it is destructive. It's dangerous in relationships. So pastor, I want to succeed in my relationship. And by the way, I'm not a relationship expert. I'm a pastor that teaches the Bible. I feel like at times there's, I've, I've, I've done better. I feel like at times I've not done well. But I'm getting better. <laughs> I've said this, and I want to say this to all of our camps. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. I'm more aware of myself. I want to resolve things quicker, and I recognize the selfish nature that I struggle with. Let me give you three things, three quick things. I've got two minutes. Three thick, quick things to, uh, listen, watch this, to go down to the root. Everybody say root. To go down to the root and get it out of the ground. Remember this, the, not a, the root that destroys relationships is undealt with bitterness. It's 
undealt with bitterness. Let me give you a couple things. Watch this. Number one, Pastor, how do I get and uproot this bitterness? Number one, humble yourself and submit to God. We want to do it another way, but there is no way besides God's way. James chapter 4, verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud. Everybody say, God resists the proud. Come on, say it. God resists the proud. I don't want God resisting me. God, I don't want you to resist me. There's a way that that doesn't happen. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God and then resist the devil. The only resisting is I want me to resist the devil. I don't want God to resist me. I don't want this way. I want it this way. He says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. I wrote this down. Humility is the posture to have when we submit to God and we recognize it's the first step towards getting this root out. You say, Pastor Steve, have you ever had counseling? Yes, I've had counseling. I've had personal counseling. I've had marriage counseling where I've gone and we've had to work through things. I'm not ashamed to say that. We advocate at Church of the King. Listen to me. Get counseling. Get pastoral counseling. Get professional counseling. Get help. The only person that's not wise is the person that's unwilling to get help. Can I say that again? The only person that's unwise is the person that's unwilling to get help. And I'll never forget. We, we, I was walking through some stuff on a personal level. You guys know the whole burnout season in my life, and it was impacting my marriage, impacting my relationship. I was in counseling, and Jennifer came, and I remember. And it was hard for me. I, it was hard for me to humble myself. I was, I was breaking down as an individual, and it was manifesting in that time with my wife and my kids and how I was talking. I remember us sitting down in the counselor, and I was the one that was burning out during that time. And I remember I had to come to the point it wasn't about her. It wasn't about what she did or what she didn't do or what life didn't do. Or we're in a recession. I'm in a building campaign. God, why did you? God wasn't to blame. Jennifer wasn't to blame. My kids weren't to blame. I had to humble myself before God. Boy, that's hard, isn't it? Wow. We don't like to admit that. Humble yourself before God. God gives grace to the humble. I never forget when I was praying one time during that season, and some of you guys, maybe you've heard this before, maybe not, and Jennifer and I were in a conflict, and I remember her saying to me, I remember her saying, you, and we were going back and forth, and I was just, I was just, I just was not thinking clearly at the time, and she goes, you just need to go talk to God. I thought, Leave him out of this. You know, don't bring up Jesus. You know, because now all of a sudden it's like spiritual conversation. But I had to humble myself. Everybody say, humble ourselves. And I want to say, if you're hurting right now, the way out is to humble yourself before God. He's not your problem, He's your solution. The devil's your problem. Here's the cool thing when you humble yourself before God, you now have power over the enemy. You know, all those thoughts you're dealing with. You could have got somebody better. You're better than this. You're this. You're, you know, all those thoughts. You have no ability to resist any thoughts, love, any of that. You have no ability. But when you submit to God, you have a spiritual power now to look the enemy in the face and say, devil, take your hands off my family. Take your hands off my marriage. You have authority to resist when you are humbled before God. Number two, draw near to God. James chapter 4, verse 8, draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. It's a daily thing. You humble yourself maybe one time. You think, well, I did it. 
It's a daily drawing near to God. It's a daily drawing near to God. I've got to continue to pull the weeds in my marriage. I've got to continue to pull the meats, weeds. I've got to continue to pull the weeds in my relationship. I've got to continue to pull the weeds. They grow up so quick. They grow up so quick. They grow up so quick. Draw near to God. That's a daily drawing near to God. I, I want to be close to God. Why? Because if I can stay close to God, God will, the Holy Spirit will whisper to me, Steve, you got to adjust this. Steve, deal with this. I've got to be close to God. Don't, listen, don't push God out. Let him continue to drive all summer, all next year, and all the following. Let him drive every part of your life. Stay close to God. Draw near to God. Draw near to God. It's not a one-time thing. Well, I was saved 10 years ago, but you got to daily talk to God. God's the one that will help you resolve these things. Stay close to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Daily getting instruction. Let me give the last one. and The last one is reconcile. So now I'm going to actually, so I've humbled myself under God. I've resisted the enemy. I have authority. I'm talking about getting that root out. That root out. Getting that root out. Getting that root out. Getting that root out. I've humbled myself before God. I've resisted the enemy. I'm daily in communication with God. Now I've got to do something about it. One last step to get that root out is you've got to now humble yourself to that person. James chapter 5, verse 16, confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. You know, so often we've, been mis- we've interpreted this verse, it can surely be applied, where we just say, you know what, I just need somebody to confess to because I'm dealing with. But how about confessing your trespass to the actual person that you've trespassed against? You ever thought about that before? Confess your trespasses to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. You know one of the things that I'm realizing in my relationship with Jennifer? I'll tell you this. I'd rather be reconciled than right. Can I say that again? I'd rather be reconciled than right. In my mind, oh gosh, I can't say that. I can justify every one of my positions in my marriage and do a little legal thing. I could, wait, time out. No, you know, build a case is what I'm talking about. You talk about rob your marriage of intimacy. I'd rather be reconciled. I'd rather be reconciled. So, so my goal in my marriage, my goal in my relationship, even with my kids, is I want to be the first one to go to them. Hey, I'm sorry. Can everybody say, I'm sorry? Everybody say, please forgive me. Oh, man. God, I don't want that. But matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to stand right now at all of our campuses. Let's just stand up. I want to pray for you guys. If you do not know Jesus, those that are joining us online are host. You must place your faith in Christ. The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of Jesus shall be saved. Do you know Jesus? Have you trusted Christ your Savior? The host will talk to you about what it means to follow Christ. and We'd love to help you as a church, but... As I finish this message up today, I think it's so important that all of us, that we all understand, we cannot allow, and I want to say this, I say this respectfully, some of you guys have allowed a root of bitterness. It's coloring your speech. You've now, you're right in that indifference stage. It's not too late. It's not too late. It's not too late. You're going to have to, though, humble yourself before God, begin to resist the authority of the, resist the lies of the enemy. Move in closer to the Lord again. He's there. God didn't leave you. He didn't leave you or forsake you. But then you got to take that final step. Sometimes it's easier to say I'm sorry to God than it is to the person that we've offended. And then you're going to have to step over the line and say, listen, I, I'm not even worried about who's right anymore. I just want what's right, and what's right is reconciliation. Yeah. 
Our altar is going to be open for anybody that needs prayer afterwards. I'm going to ask in just a moment our prayer team, they can make their way up front. I just want to pray over you guys right now. Jesus, I thank you that you are healing people. God, that you are touching people, that you are restoring broken hearts. Lord, give us the grace to uproot the bitterness so that we can be reconciled and move forward in power in our relationships. In Jesus' name. And everybody say it. Can we give the Lord a hand clap? Come on, can we do that? Amen. God bless you guys. Wow, what a powerful moment. If you're making a decision to follow Jesus right now, congratulations. This is the best decision you're ever going to make and we are celebrating with you. Yes, today you are made new, you are set free, and you are forgiven and wholly loved. And we are excited to walk alongside you in this journey of following Jesus. And there's a link on the screen or in the chat. If you could just click that link and fill out the short form. We'd love to hear more of your story and point you towards more resources as you begin this journey. And before we say goodbye for now, just know that we are here for you as a church. In fact, if you have a prayer need and need someone to pray with you right now, just text the word pray to 822-822 or let one of our hosts know in the chat. We have hosts and pastors who are ready to pray with people. We would really be honored to pray with you today. With that being said, we can't wait to see you back here next week. Same time, same place. Have a great week.